I was raised off of Route Route 3 Out past where the black top ends We'd walk to church on Sunday morning race Hour number three kicking off here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios Three days away from the Super Bowl Gotta be honest, I'm still not in the mood for it yet Although I will say I haven't seen any leaked commercials yet. I feel like in past years, we've already kind of seen the commercials start hitting That's a good point. the websites. They'd already kind of be leaked and trying to drum up some early interest. I haven't seen any of that yet. Have I missed them? Have you seen them, Bob? Any commercials leaked? No, I have not. Do we still care about Super Bowl commercials? I like them when I see them in real time. I don't have any big anticipation for them right. at this point. It's like, yeah, I like checking them out. But, yeah, some of the people who want to get, you know, too many sneak previews of them. I'm, I'm not about that. Any plans for a Super Bowl party? We typically get together with a family that are good friends of ours, and um, it's usually low key. It's just you know a couple families and just hang out and eat a bunch of bad food and watch the game. But what's funny is we usually have it at their house. So because of the time of day, and it's really going to matter now, given we have the morning show, is like you know probably go home at the beginning of the third quarter and start to get settled in beat but, the traffic bob yeah. <laughs> i don't know beat the I, I can watch the end of it in, in my my jammies so uh yeah so we no big plans we don't like going to a, you know bars or any of that stuff for this there used to be a day back in my younger years where i would do that but that just feels a little i think overlooked. i i think i've only watched one super bowl at a bar i think the COVID one in 2021, strangely enough, ironically enough, the time you weren't maybe supposed to be at the bar is I think it's the only <laughs> one I actually watched at a bar. Every other one is I think I've just either watched home or maybe someone's house. That had to be surreal too because people were probably masked up. And nah, I think by that point, I think by the time 2021 had rolled around, because I mean like the Titans were letting at least half the stadium go to the game, so like yeah. I think bars had kind of I don't want to say given up, but. Yeah, I think they're like, hey, we lost enough money last year. This is kind of over at this point. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, but I think that's the only one I've ever actually watched out and about, other than being like in Las Vegas. But actually, the two Super Bowls I've watched in Las Vegas, I think actually we watched just like in the room. <laughs> I think I think we just got drinks. We had a bottle, of, you know, of our own drinks, and just had some food and just set up in the room and watched them on the TV there. So you could pay attention to the commercials and also like if you're betting. I don't like betting and then being around people betting against me. That's kind of why I don't go to Super Bowl parties. Like Vibes got to be right. Last year I went to a Super Bowl party and they were all on the Eagles and I was on the Chiefs and they're rooting against me. And I'm like, oh, this is, vibes were off. I mean, I ended up winning, but they were all mad and it, was, it, was, it wasn't good. So, like, Vegas is like, don't want to be out watching down there. I'm watching in the room. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever watched at a bar. Sam, you got any Super Bowl plans? Uh, no. My mom brought up some uh, – she she cooks some pulled pork for me. She oh. brought some food, so we're gonna do some some pork nachos and stuff like that. I think we might do like a nacho table or something like that for the game. But I'll just be watching in my house. Now I'm not a food expert, despite being a little chunky. <laughs> How long can you have pork that's already been cooked? I feel like does that not go bad? I think it'll be. I mean, it'll be nah, good by Sunday. Yeah. She cooked it yesterday too. Like she made it the All day right. that she was coming. I don't want to hear you on Monday. Ah, oh, my tummy hurts. <laughs> I also told her that I might not even wait till the Super I'm, Bowl. Yeah, I might not have it by the Super Bowl. I might just, just be done with it. Go ahead and eat your, it. It's, yeah, it's a pizza guess, thing. Yeah, your your buddies will come. Let's do the nachos. There's nothing there but <laughs> oh, chips. Come Saturday night, there'll be just scraps left over. Yeah, it's 
pretty good. a pretty good move. Yes. Not in the mood yet, though, for the Super Bowl. I haven't even really looked at any prop bets. I haven't dove too far into any of the individual matchups or the storylines outside of just what we already know. But hopefully tomorrow we can get that rolling a little bit. We'll be joined by Super Bowl champion, right? Dustin yes. Colquitt, Super Bowl champion, former Vol, former Kansas City Chief, to kind of do a Super Bowl preview and talk to him about his experience in the Super Bowl. So maybe that'll get the juices flowing a little bit. Yeah, Dustin will uh, come hang with us for a little bit, and um, and we'll talk about it from a betting perspective a little later with, with our guy Eli, who uh, I'm going to maybe send him a note saying, hey, man, you got to get some stuff right this time. We, we really need you. Otherwise, uh, again, relegation talk is underway. Have you... Looked at any prop bets, Sam? Bob, is there anything you looked at that has caught your eye? Not yet for me. Yeah. Not for some insider information here, but I normally and I normally the, get the You got a Gatorade man? I normally get the Gatorade color for, with the Chiefs, yeah. Do, do you have a man on the inside? I do, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, who? I can't reveal my sources, but I've when the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, I normally do pretty well. Do we know? Do you have an early lead now for the Gatorade color? It doesn't. I'll I'll text you guys on probably Saturday. Wow! But I'll let you guys know if you want Gatorade color. Wow! Very. It feels very uh, exclusive to me. He'll put us. All, it's one of my buddies from college, and he just puts like twenty of my buddies in a group chat, and it's just like purple. Last year, one of these years, it was water, and he got it right. Wow! Interesting. But the Chiefs have to win. He got us both colors one year. Really? Yeah, so I just bet both outcomes and just kind of had like money line basically on both teams for like plus five or six hundred odds. That's hmm. pretty nice. I'll tell you the bet I've and I've learned uh, that I will stay away from. It's not a, it's not a real nichey prop bet or anything, but you know if you're into that whole first touchdown scored by the Chiefs, I I because it's almost invariably the case in Chiefs games, maybe not in Super Bowls. I can't go back and remember what happened. It could be anybody because of Mahomes. You know what I mean? It could yeah. be Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. It could be – it's like th- those are killers to me. It feels like a fool's errand doing one of those bets. Backup tight end Noah Gray. Exactly. I've got a couple decent uh, numbers early out on some props if you want to hear that. Sure. Second half under uh, in Chiefs games this season is 18-2. and two. The Chiefs don't score in the second half. We've and been on that for a long time. They don't score in the second half. 77% of the money is on the second half over of 23 and a half. Hmm. Yeah, you would think that it's going to be, you know, whoever's winning is trying to run the ball. It's going to be tense and some long drives. I mean, the Chiefs in general go on long drives. Mm-hmm. So, under 23 and a half in the second half, you know, you'd – Get a little screwed if it went to overtime, but Super Bowls don't typically go to overtime. And uh, also, Bill Vinovich, he is the ref of this Super Bowl. In the past 10 years, the unders uh, in games that he's refing have hit at a 60% clip, and 65% of the bets are on the over, 47.5. Typically in these big public games, there's a little little extra leeway for the under because people like betting on points and like betting on their player props and doing those things. With that being said, uh, I think 11 and a half yards is Brock Purdy's over-under for rushing mm. rushing yards. I like the over I there. I love those. I, I like taking the quarterbacks rushing Me over. too. Me too. Especially for immobile quarterbacks. It's just more fun when like a guy who doesn't scramble all that oh, often gets Purdy's, loose. Purdy's not a mobile, my guy. <laughs> Purdy, Purdy's got a little bit of wheels. You saw him against Detroit. He had a 21-yard yeah. scamper. Yeah. And it just takes one of those. Uh, uh, a one 
12-yard run on, on third and 10, and we're in there. Now you have to worry about kneel downs or whatever, but. I used to bet on Tom Brady, like, over, over one, one and, and a half. half. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's just over one. Yep. And you'd get a two-yard quarterback sneak and then three kneel downs to bring you back. There was the Super Bowl maybe against, I guess this one was against the 49ers, where Mahomes had, like, 50 rushing yards and hit his over, and then on the three kneel downs, like, went 20 yards backwards and I got you lost it. That. I got screwed yeah. on that, yep. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. So be careful for that. For some reason, he was taking really super deep quarterback nils. But yeah, Brock Purdy. I think he's got one. I think he's got one 15-yard scramble in him, Bob. Remember that. 21 against Detroit was his long. He had 48 rushing yards there. And in this season, he's had what one, two, three, four, four games in the regular season with at least a 13-yard scramble. I like that. Brock Purdy over, uh, I think it's over 10 and a half or maybe 11 and a half rushing yards. I like that. I don't know if you, you may or may not have seen this. I was watching McAfee yesterday and they had uh, Dan Marino on. And uh, probably the most famous quarterback not to win a Super Bowl, I would think, right? Yeah. I think by far. I yeah. Mean, you, know, you know, I think by the end of this career, you know, maybe Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson might be on yeah. comparative footing. But yeah, for now, for sure, Dan Marino. He gets lumped in with Charles Barkley. Yeah. He um they were talking to him about the game and it was clear. He is he mentioned the how great a story Brock Purdy is that he was basically saying I don't want Patrick Mahomes winning another Super Bowl. He was he didn't say that but that by his actions he was like, "Oh no. Yeah, yeah, Kansas City's great. I like Brock Purdy." I think the Brock Purdy story. He just kept going on and on about Brock Purdy. Has anybody ever asked him about you know, failing to win a Super Bowl and whether or not he would trade careers with like Trent Dilfer because like they always ask Barkley on inside the NBA. Like they always just give Barkley hell for not ever winning a title. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, like would you rather be Charles Barkley or Robert Ory? He's like me. Yeah. Like me. I had a great career. I was one of the best players of all time and made a whole bunch of money. Well, it was interesting because it, it, funny you would say that because that came up because JJ Watt was on the show at the same time and they, they you know, he talked with Marino saying, I, first of all, I barely got into the playoffs. You at least went to a Super Bowl, but we both never won one and when people ask me that question, this was JJ talking, he said, "I I always say I got the privilege to play a game that was just my dream, you know, and to have a great career and yeah, of course I would love to win a Super Bowl, but I, I'm perfectly happy and proud of what I did and accomplished and you know my my season. And Marino was like, I totally feel the same way. It was interesting. Marino's you know, a Pittsburgher. He's from Pittsburgh, and he even said that his one regret was that he didn't get a chance to play for the Steelers, um, which, boy, that would have been a different narrative probably. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. So it, to your point – that question kind of came up between those two guys, two guys who are greats, all-time greats that never never got to, you know, to win a Super Bowl. I think being one of the best players of all time and and winning, it, it does suck to be on kind of on that group of players that never won a title. Carl Malone, Steve Nash. I I don't know in the NFL if there's any because Marino's kind of the only guy people point to, right? Because all the other greats have won one. It seems like at least at the quarterback position, Jim like, Kelly would be not. He's not Marino level, but he was considered a you know, right. great quarterback. He's probably closer to like the Josh Allen type we're right. talking about now. That like isn't going to maybe be the Philip Rivers. I mean, like Jim Kelly's kind of Philip Rivers, I guess. Like Marino, Marino's like one Super Bowl might have put him in like top three conversation of all time. But, right. But without it, like he doesn't. He gets kind of pushed to the side. Like now, you're going to have. Montana, 
Mahomes, Brady, Manning is kind of going to be like the, I think at the end of the day, going to be the Mount Rushmore, if you will, of all-time great quarterbacks. Now, you know, maybe somebody hasn't established themselves yet. You know, maybe 10 years from now, we'll be adding Will Levis to that. And, you know, after he wins his third Super Bowl, we'll be like, Will Levis, wow, he is an all-time great. Sam's not listening, Sam. but the, the uh, no Sam's just. But Marino, yeah, he doesn't get mentioned in that same breath because of the lack of a championship. Yeah, totally agree. Kind of like how Dirk winning one forever kind of passed Charles Barkley in the NBA. Like you know, Dirk would have been really similar to Charles Barkley, but in the all-time rankings, he'll move ahead because he did carry his team to a championship. I do love that bit when Shaq just won't lay off Charles about not having a ring and. <laughs> I didn't have Kobe. I didn't have Kobe and Dwayne Wade carrying <laughs> exactly. my fat ass. Shut up, <laughs> shut up, fool. That's what it always comes back to. Dwayne Wade carried your ass. <laughs> Kobe. And then Kenny Smith's there, too. Like, I got my two championships. Yeah, Hakeem, we know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Barkley did just fine. He's, have, he's got a pretty good life. You know, Barkley, Barkley uh, may be one of the all-time best careers Maybe a top five career just in sports. Yeah. When you look at the trajectory of it and the the longevity and and becoming more famous and more beloved after his playing career, yeah. I would say one of the top all five like just careers. But he does always have that hole in his resume where he didn't win a title. He didn't get one. God, that finals against Chicago. I thought they had it for a minute, but they just could never get over the hump. And John Paxson, was it John Paxson that ended it for yep. them? And then ultimately that goes and gives credit to Jordan yes. in, in that debate in terms of not letting the other people eat in the era. That's what people always point to, that stars didn't get rings during his era, unlike Steph getting one and who else has won one? I guess the Spurs won a couple during LeBron's era. I'm trying right. to, yeah, I mean. Those guys all kind of got to win one. Giannis, if you will. We will talk Tennessee hoops coming up after the break. I was going to do a recap of for signing day there at the end, Bob. But when I got to looking, nothing really interesting. Tennessee finished, what, where did they finish, like 12th? Depends on who you, yeah, I'm looking. 13th, 13th. On, on, ranking, on, 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 on three. But when you look at the actual, like, average ranking, it's better than yeah. that. Yeah, all the usual suspects are in front of them, right? Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Miami, Ohio State, Texas, LSU, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and, well, Auburn. Kind of a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's – Signing day came and went with, uh, like, like, a whisper in the wind. The one thing I will say is Nebraska was up there at 18. That's for a program that's been in the dumps for a while. They're, Matt Rule's kind of got them trending in the right direction. Time will tell if that's going to be a, a resurgent program. Yeah, flipping is it Rayola, as they say his name, from yeah. Georgia, that was a big deal for them. And it does seem like Nebraska's trying to spend a little NIL money because they're like, hey, that's the only way we're going to get these kids out here to the to the Midwest. Yeah. Well, we'll talk some Tennessee hoops with assistant coach Greg Polinski. Coming up after the break, recapping maybe two big wins against Kentucky and LSU and look ahead to Saturday's game, a quad one opportunity against Texas A&M. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Is your home's exterior? Welcome back to the morning show. Uh, one of our funnest segments of the week. 
and it's even better when we're coming off of a win. Uh, we get to spend some time with uh, Vols assistant coach Greg Polinski. Talk a little bit about last night's game against LSU. Coach, good morning. Welcome back. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Good morning. Hey, so I think back to our call last week with you, and it was uh, it was probably a, it was definitely a different vibe in the studio for us. And I think I, I asked you about a little bit of a wellness check. You know, how's how are the guys doing off the heels of that South Carolina game? By the way, we've seen South Carolina just continue to uh, flourish in the league, and uh, you you nailed it. That's a that's a that's a hell of a team there. But would you know? Just love to get your take on how it's feeling right now. Offense is clicking, obviously, in these last two games. Uh, saw you know the team is averaging about eighty points a game this season, uh, which again very different, as you mentioned last week, to what we've seen in years past. How are the boys feeling right now? Well, I think like you know, we talked about, we've, we've got a pretty mature group. I think they understand, um, you know, that there are things we can still get a lot better at. You know, Coach talks about that all the time. We don't want to be satisfied. You know, we don't want to get comfortable. We want to be confident, but we won't still want to play with an edge. I thought first half um, last night, you know, we did that. Um, minus the backboard. I thought for us, that was probably one of our uh, poor performances in terms of, you know, defensive rebounding last night. I don't know if it was a combination of us shooting it well, getting a little complacent, you know, on the court, um, you know, getting out to a large lead. thought we defended pretty well. It's just securing the rebound, which we all know that is, that is the final part. That is the end of a possession with defense. Um, so I think, you know, I think the guys are feeling good about, again, mature group, about what they did offensively, the ball movement, getting up the court, playing with speed, uh, making shots is always a lot of fun for us and fans. And by the way, how great was it to see the place full again last night? Amazing fans here. Um, but it was, um, I think that was a part we got to clean up, Bob. You know, our, our defensive rebounding has, has got to get better. It has a time this year, but we realize in order to not just win games but to compete for a championship, you got to take care of that compartment of the game or that area of the game. Yeah, last night I couldn't help but think of you and the coaching staff, and I kind of thought that it might be the perfect type of performance from a coaching perspective where the first half really crisp. You know, you continue rolling after the Kentucky game, the offense as good as ever. And then just enough mistakes and just enough complacency in the second half to kind of have some things to coach up. What's the message coming out of a game like that for the coaches? Well, we're getting ready to go to College Station against a team that is, you know, preseason. Lost the key player in Julius Marble, but brings back um, what was arguably, you know, as dynamic and good a backcourt uh, as there was in the league. Wade Taylor, I'm not sure if he was – preseason player of the year in our league, but certainly could have been, you know, really dynamic scoring uh, point guard for A&M had a terrific season last year is playing well again this year. Um, so they bring back a lot of experience and they happen to be the number one offensive rebounding team in the sec and in the country. So if we don't clean this up quick, and I think it's more of a mentality 
than it is actually physical technique, et cetera. You know, rebounding to a large degree is, is not a lot about talent. It's a lot about level of concentration, commitment, and effort. And those are things that we understand. Our group knows. Um, but we're getting ready to go into, you know, a buzzsaw down there. They'll be sold out, I'm sure. Like everybody, we've become a big game on their schedule, and it's a compliment to our players. Um, but we've got – that's the message. It's short and simple. If, if we don't take care of the backboard, you can forget everything else because they're that good at rebounding the ball once they miss it. Yeah, you came off of Saturday's performance, which Josiah, you know, clicked, and that was the Josiah against North Carolina State that ever that you had said, you know, won the game against the Wolfpack. What happened on Saturday for Josiah to just be more aggressive? Was there a concerted effort, or was it just, hey, he hit a couple shots early and kept that momentum rolling, or just the kind of what the Kentucky defense gave as they were given so much attention to connect and other players? What what changed for Josiah in that performance? You know, I would say like with a guy like Josiah, who's incredibly bright as a person and basketball player, he would, I wish he was on the phone, you know, he would give you a very articulate and uh, well thought out, honest answer about, you know, what happened, what, what his mindset was. My message, you know, I don't say a lot to Josiah. He's been here. Um, same with Santi. You know, they they already know usually before you say something to them, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. But was, hey, man, like, they shoot the ball with confidence. You're a really good shooter. I really don't care what his numbers have been. When when Joe shoots it in rhythm and has his feet set, and he's a really good shooter. But I thought what, what Coach talks a lot about, and, you know, when you get lost in the game and you do the effort things, if you guys remember Josiah early in the game on the offensive glass there, he was pretty relentless. He got us extra possessions, great effort getting to the backboard. Um, and then it just seemed to flow. You know, I think second possession, you know, we ran a little, you know, toss back and he was wide open. And I mean, he was ready to shoot it. There wasn't a bit of hesitation. Feet under him, great rhythm shot. Um, and then I think from there as a player, you know, when you're feeling it. And Joe was definitely feeling it. And, uh, you know, obviously, we could go through a number of guys, but Joe would be one of them. That if he doesn't impact the game like he did, we don't come out of rut with a win. Let's talk a little bit about Zakai because you have an extensive NBA background. You were, you know, you you coached in the league. You were a player uh, analyst for a long time. When I see Zakai Ziegler playing right now, I think he's doing his best Chris Paul impression. The last two games, twenty-two assists. And only five turnovers, you know, while also scoring at a very efficient clip. What are you seeing from Zakai? Well, I think he's, you know, South Carolina was a struggle um, the way they played. And uh, defensively, they were excellent. Um, so I think Z kind of regrouped mentally. Uh, he talked with Coach what he's got to do in those situations. Kentucky is a totally different game because of the pace and rhythm of that game. Um, same, I'd say, with LSU. All games present a different personality, and that certainly uh, South Carolina was different. So Z bounced back, I guess is what I'm saying here. And um, The games, I think, coming up were good games for him because it allowed him to get up the court, play with some rhythm. It wasn't slow. 
He's best when there's some pace to the game. Um, and he took advantage, I think, of both nights here and played extremely well. Um, you know, I don't know if I'd say Chris Paul. Uh, Chris Paul, is if Zeke can do it as long as Chris Paul's done it, then we're going to say it. But uh, he's been great. He just seems, good, he seems so in control right now. You know, that's the way Chris yeah. Paul, whenever he plays, whenever he has it going, he's just in control of everything. And that's that's just what I was thinking whenever I'm watching Zakai right now. Yeah, I mean, he's just – I don't want to use the word dominating games, but let's just say he's he's been a dominant player at his position. And when he's really good uh, and we're making shots, we're really good on offense. And then go to the defensive end and – He's a terror, you know. I've said many times I think we got four guys that could be all first-team SEC players, Zakai obviously being one of them. Um, But what he does defensively for us is tremendous pressure, steals, gets us going. Um, Yeah, I would say, you know, these last two games, he's been a very dominant force. We're here with uh, Greg Polinski, assistant coach for the UT men's basketball team. Hey, coach, the, I want to talk for a second about one of our uh, first-year transfer players that's not Dalton, by the way, and it's Jordan Ganey because what I've seen in the last couple of games has been impressive, and we obviously know Jordan's getting his stroke back from a shooting perspective, and that's wonderful, but... I think of the Kentucky game the other night where he grabbed a, an offensive rebound that was a grown man rebound. I mean, it, for a guard, it, it just impressed me to no end. And then last night, you know, playing 25 minutes, getting 18 points, that's wonderful, but three steals. And I, I know it feels to me there's obviously a concerted effort from his perspective to, to do more of the little things that really, really matter in a game. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? That's got to be part of the plan with you and Coach Barnes, right? Yeah, I think, um, number one, extremely proud of Jordan because we all remember he had a rough start right. uh, to conference. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys with, with less substance, less basketball character could give into that. Younger players sometimes give into it. Um, not Jordan Ganey. He's, he's a... Unbelievable young man, great family, um, and I say all that to say that you can see where it comes from. I happen to work with the associate head coach every day, right? Um, and Jordan is, you know, uh, kind of, you know, replicated. I think who he is off the court to on the court, high character guy, very resilient. That's a great trait to have. I think he's put work in. If you come in after practice, he's shooting every single day. Um, he's added downhill, getting to the rim to his game, so you can't just sit on his jump shot. And most importantly, he's embraced the defensive aspect of what we do. You know, I thought last night he was terrific defensively. Um, on the ball, had three steals. He and Zakai, I think, were our leaders in that area with three each. Um, I just can't say enough about him. And then to get 18 fours. Off the bench, he accepts his role. Whether he plays 10 minutes or 30 minutes, um, you're going to get his best effort. Whether the ball goes down that night, who knows? Shooters have nights. Shooters don't have nights. Uh, but he's become more than that. And I think, like Coach said, you know, and what, what I knew, again, my last stop, 
how do you impact winning when you're not making shots, you're not scoring, and he's figured that out and he's doing it for us? I got to ask. I asked you about the refs last week. This week I want to know, can you put us in the team huddle after the Awaka and Bradshaw dust-up at Kentucky? Because on TV, it got me fired up in my living room. I saw Coach Barnes give Awaka a high five. Can you put us right there on that sideline for that brief moment? Well, I'm not sure I can put you right there. All I saw was Tobey's eyes get dilated. That's not a good thing for anybody. Um, Meaning, you know, it takes a lot. Tobey's a very, believe it or not, he's a very gentle soul, very mild, very composed. Those eyes um, tell a different story. <laughs> they did, man. You you know that old expression, you don't poke the bear. Um, you don't poke Tobey. And I think that's what happened up there, and it just got him fired up. I'm, I'm glad that he had enough emotional control, um, you know, that he didn't take it any further. And... uh because that, that could have been a real tough scene, right? Um, I wouldn't want to be the one that deals with him at all. At all. Uh, you know, the guys that wolf a lot, you know, my dad used to say those are the guys that don't worry about. The guys that are quiet and go about their business, when you get them fired up, look out. And that's Tobey. And um, I think what it did, though, is Coach was, you know, just happy to see the fire in Tobey. Obviously, Coach wouldn't want any kind of altercation. You know, when it got when it, if it would lead to a, a physical altercation. But I think it was good to see Tobey get fired up. I think it ignited our team. Our guys have a lot of respect for Tobey. They know how hard he plays. Probably leads or is one of the leaders if he had enough minutes. Um, offensive rebounding in the country. And then I think he just went to work, right, after that. So they, they I think the guys kind of knew. When we went into the huddle, um, it was kind of like us against, what, 20,000-plus and uh, we're going to finish this job, and I think that was kind of the most exhilarating part for all of us, you know, coming out of that huddle. Yeah, the way Awaka responded to that with one of the best dunks in a game that, that caught me by surprise on the pick and roll, and then he had another great little quick post move and had a couple good seals for Zakai to clear the lane. I thought Awaka really responded in a controlled manner and, you know, you were worried at the time that that might spark a run, that Kentucky would get emotional, and that the crowd would, you know, kind of wheel them back. But Connect gets the dunk out of the uh, out of bounds play, and and then Awaka has a couple big buckets, and you kind of put Kentucky to sleep. What about the reaction in the film room the next day in the film session? Whenever you see Bradshaw get uh, cheek to cheek, maybe lip to lip against Awaka, how do the how do the players respond, knowing that they kind of, for lack of a better term, kick Kentucky's ass down the stretch after that play? Well, I think our guys, um, number one, I think there was a big smile, you know, like, and it's because they love Tobey, you know, like, they mess with him a lot, particularly Zakai. They played AU together, New York guys, and, you know, Zakai likes to mess with them all the time, um, which is kind of funny to see. Not Zakai. He definitely doesn't seem like an instigator sometimes. He was walking no. around pumping up the crowd as it was going on. <laughs> no, not, not him. Yeah, and uh, Z's got a lot of spunk, as we all know, and is an amazing guy himself. But um, I think that was, you know, the guys actually seeing it. It kind of made, you know, led to a chuckle because they know, like, hey, that's the wrong guy to push. You know, like they see him in practice every day. Um, you know, on the backboard, some days it's hard. And he's just like a one-man wrecking crew going to get it. You know, so 
I think, you know, we got through that. I think guys knew the impact that Tobey made on the game. Um, and we also realized, you know, we're going to have Kentucky again. We realized we played extremely well, and Kentucky played extremely well. That one is behind us. But, um, hey, we, we realized we got another job to do later in the year. Hey, Coach. Um, just curious. I know that Coach Clark has talked a lot about Dalton and Jemai's one-on-one battles going back to his recruiting visit. I'm just wondering, do you think you have a, a maybe a lifetime series record kind of between those two? And then also <laughs> just speak kind of on how beneficial that matchup is, you know, having – you know, maybe one of the best scores in the country on one of the best uh, perimeter defenders in the country as well in Jemai. Yeah, and um, you know, my eyes told me, you know, when I first got here, and it just continues to grow. I've said it before. I think Jemai Meshek is the best defender in the country. Um, Zakai's terrific. Josiah's really good. Santi's really good. Jonas at the rim. But what Jemai can do is versatility, makes him special in his strength. Um, and analytics will back it up, but I think it's been great for Dalton, you know, and, and then Dalton has been great for, for Jemai because it keeps him sharp, man. Like, uh, we all know Dalton's got an opportunity. I know how difficult it is, but he's got an opportunity to play after this at the next level in the NBA. It's there. If he'll clean up a few things and he's working hard to do that and get better defensively all the time, rebounded the ball better last night. So, we're encouraged by that, but but back to your comment, you know, I think those two, you know, the old comment, iron sharpens iron, I think that's really the case there. They both have both taken it to heart. They both want to be great. Jemai's improved offensively and wants to get better there. Dalton knows he's got to be a better defender, but offensively, for he's going to see guys like Jemai uh, every night, and I think it's been tremendously beneficial, and I think they have a great deal of respect for each other, and you know, Jemai, he's always trying to help guys. We have a number of older guys like that, which makes this team pretty special and it made Rick Barnes' team and culture here very different than a lot of places. So I think they've been great for each other. You got a, you got a record, though? I didn't hear a record there. You kind of sidestepped that question. No, <laughs> I have no record on that. Uh, we keep a lot of stuff, but we don't keep records on the one-to-one bad light. Hey, you get those two guys on the – on the radio, that'd be pretty interesting to hear, and I'll listen in. <laughs> Last thing uh, we'd kind of joked about, you know, sometimes when these players seem a little passive and a little hesitant to shoot, I, I know some fans were frustrated with Vescovy. Maybe let freshman Cam Carr hype those guys up because he is somebody that comes in with a lot of aggression and a lot of confidence. So maybe let the young guys rub off on some of the older ones from time to time. Yeah, I mean, I, our young guys, like I told you, I'm very encouraged by all four guys. Um, I know they don't get a lot of minutes. It's difficult to do when you have a veteran team and guys that have won a lot of games and understand what winning means. But Cam and and uh, Kate Phillips and J.P. Estralo, you're seeing a little bit. Freddie Dillion is a talented guy. All these guys are still finding their way. And um, it's going to click, and Coach says it all the time to them. We need you to keep improving because at some point we're going to need you um, this year, this year. I mean, Carr with a great uh, play at Kentucky with that alley-oop. I mean, that was impactful in a couple of rim uh, contentions and, and, you know, led to some missed layups. I thought he was great in his limited minutes there. Coach Polinski, appreciate your time as always. Best of luck this weekend at Texas A&M. Come back with a win. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, guys, as always. Enjoy it. Yeah, man.
I think it's interesting too. This is a good segue because we just talked about that one-on-one thing with uh, with Dalton and Jemai. Um, we and we mentioned it yesterday. Uh, quick, quick recommendation: if you haven't read it yet, go to RockyTopInsider.com. Check out Ryan Shumpert's piece on the Dalton Connect Jemai Mayshack one-on-one experience, how it began, etc. And one of the things I think that you're going to find, because we've talked about this before, um, you know, the North Carolina game, there was discord in the locker room and all this other stuff, and the fan base tends to blow that up. I think that that's natural occurrences that happen in families, if you will, and that's water finding its level, too. And you'll see it in this in this story, this piece that Ryan wrote. Quotes from Santi, quotes from Zakai, quotes from Jemai, of course, about how what my takeaway was was obviously it's entertaining to hear about the the iron sharpens iron piece that coach Polinsky just talked about but also that this team is aligned man do not mistake that they they're going to have their moments where there's some you know a little bit of tension of course but that's what happens for a team that's driven by winning and wants to get better that is going to happen and i that was one of my biggest takeaways ryan did a really good job of framing all of it if you haven't read it i recommend you check it out it's a it's a great pretty short read it'll be worth your time and of course supports our friend ryan shumpert Absolutely. who is gracious with his time every monday he's good at what he does and i enjoyed reading the piece sorry sam i tried to to pin coach down there and get a get an answer to your question but he he hit the pump fake sidestep that Santiago Vescovi is so good at. I figured Dalton and Jemai would each probably say that they're both winning the lifetime battle. So I actually wasn't surprised by them saying they don't really keep score. Yeah. 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 Which uh, I know that you can say you don't keep score, but everybody keeps score. But like it's it's probably more so like Meshack's defense against Connect's offense. It might not be like a traditional game all the time. More so just like can you score on me? Kind of going back to what we talked about the All Star Game, we want to see like the dunkers try to dunk on the shot blockers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Maysack's a stopper out there. It's like a, a PK, if you will. He's the goalie. Can you get a bucket on me? So they might not be playing traditional games. <laughs> you think? Uh, you think I shouldn't have said the Bradshaw lip to lip thing about <laughs> Bradshaw kissing? It. <laughs> yeah, kind of sidestepped that one too. Yeah, but they got the team fired up. Yeah. I loved boy. He he said what we all think about Tobey though. Like you don't want to be that guy. No, to, and then go go and, at him. And he's exactly correct in terms of the guys that uh, maybe don't do the talking. Yeah. The lens. When actually, whenever you actually get a an even tempered person, very angry. When the quiet person gets loud, that's when you're like, okay, maybe I've gone a little too far. That's right. That's and, right. You know the 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 cliche of the small dog that yaps versus the big dog that sits there just kind of waiting. Very true. Plays out in life. That happened one time in my household. In college, I lived with a pit bull that was young, but full-grown, but young, immature. And I have a miniature wiener dog. And the miniature wiener dog was the aggressive one in the relationship a lot of the times. And until one time, a piece of meat fell in between them, and that pit bull grabbed Frank by the neck and slunk him up against the wall. I was like, that's mine. And really? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what a waka. Uh, he kind of snapped in there when they got shoved in the back. That piece of meat <laughs> fell between them. And he kind of snapped, and you saw, okay, this is what he's capable of. And Life lesson for Frank. Though. Yeah, Frank uh, hid behind the couch and learned a lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what happened. We'll wrap the show up on the other side. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio.
right, as we wrap up this Thursday edition of the morning show, what have we missed so far? I miss I miss being on at noon for breaking news. Like trade deadline day is kind of fun to be there because like you can start getting up against the deadline and the NBA. You're like, okay, some trades start coming through around lunchtime. Some rumors start heating up because I believe the trade deadline is it at three o'clock or four o'clock today. Yeah, that sounds right. Typically, those deadlines will be around like four o'clock. Today it's at three, so yeah, it'd be you'd get a wave of a, of of a, of action right there, and we didn't really get any to this morning. No, no NBA trades at all today so far on trade deadline day. Anybody you think is going to get moved, Bob? Anybody you want to see get moved? Well, you know, the one we thought that was kind of inevitable was uh, was Andrew Wiggins with Golden State. But now Steve Kerr is saying we have a special group. We don't need a trade. We, you know, it's very interesting. I don't, That's I don't how know. you drive up leverage, I guess. You, yeah. you can't come out and say, yeah, we're shopping a couple people and yeah. send us a couple second-round picks and you can have them. I guess you want, to, you want to put that face on. That way you can at least say if the trades happen, hey – wasn't my call. It was management's fault. My bad. Yeah. And if the trades fall through, you don't have to come back and be like, well. Because that's what the Hawks had to do for years with John Collins. Every every year on the trade deadline, like, aggressively shopping John Collins. And then the trade deadline passes, and John Collins is still on the team. It was just always kind of weird. I think a sneaky good pickup by the Celtics was getting Xavier Tillman from Memphis. Um, just for – he is what he is. He's not, a, he's not a starter, but he's – you know, he could be a very serviceable reserve big for them. I would be surprised if he was more than an emergency big, honestly. Like, I, I don't think, like, in the playoffs, maybe if you go up against Embiid, he's got six fouls to give. But yeah, I, I would think he would play, like, once every three games in eight minutes or so. But he has some depth because Horford is old and Porzingis is a little brittle. So, like, yeah. it, you do need an extra guy. They didn't really give up anything to get him. Right. No, I agree. Sam, anybody you want to see move today at the deadline? Um, I saw maybe not like want to see moved, but I saw some rumor that potentially Grant Williams might be getting moved. I saw that too. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would make sense because he hasn't lived up to that contract so far. He got off to a really good start with Dallas, but I think more and more you, you kind of realize that it's the Luca show, and that like everyone else is going to kind of have to sacrifice and. I'm not blaming Luca for that, but Grant seemed like he made perfect sense next to them, but he's just kind of been struggling kind of, you know, I, w- I would imagine Dallas has buyer's remorse. So I wouldn't I wouldn't mind if, you know, I know Dallas has been wanting a center, but, you know, if you trade tr- Clint Capella for from the Hawks and bring Grant in, I think I'd be fine with that. Well, the one they're talking the tires on him. The one they're talking about was uh, Milwaukee. Maybe, yeah, that's for Bobby Portis. Mm-hmm. I think I think Grant would make a lot of sense there playing with Giannis and Dame too and just I mean he'd have to just camp out in the corner and play defense but you know I, I think Grant probably has the respect of Giannis because he guards him pretty well you yeah. know in terms of guys who are able to guard him one on one there aren't many better and Yeka and Kongu is one of them and Grant and then there's like you know a, it's kind of it in terms of guys you give credit for one on one being able to slow him down at all so they just looking for another big man to back up lively or yeah to have like a because I mean he's he's still he's like he's young right I mean yeah, he's nineteen he's, a rookie, he's like yeah. a rookie right so yeah I mean like I don't know if you want to trust him in the playoffs you need an True. extra guy for rim protection I know in the off season particularly they were really wanting Capella gotcha now that was before before lively you know kind of established himself but I, I think typically what you'll see Sam is these rookies eventually hit a wall over the last like month of the season 
and Lively's getting kind of close to that. You know, you're, you're, you're go to go from college or go from high school or the G League to now playing like a full 82 game schedule plus the playoffs. If you make it, it's a lot of games. He needs some help there. He's gotten he's been injured a fair amount too. You know, like little nicks and cuts. You know, where he's out a few games at a time, but he's he's already getting banged up a fair amount. Dejounte Murray. He's been linked the last basically month of being traded from Atlanta. I guess now the latest team that's really linked to him. The Lakers have been over the last month, but now the New Orleans Pelicans apparently uh, interested in adding him, and they they do kind of need a point guard. So like I think that would make sense, and they also have a plethora of wings. So Dejounte Murray, I'm gonna guess not traded to the Lakers unless LeBron's agency, Clutch Sports, or whatever, just flexes their muscle because, of course, they run the Lakers and DeJounte Murray is a clutch client. Outside of that, I don't think there will be any big names. DeMar DeRozan, if you care about him, he's apparently linked to maybe going to the Sixers. Maybe the Sixers make a trade for DeMar DeRozan, pair him with Maxie and Embiid. I've got some interest. This is not NBA news here, John. So I'd be okay. Well, switching gears. That's uh, fine. I'm done with the trade deadline stuff. This is uh, Luke Fickle apparently went out to uh, ESPN's Wisconsin Wild and Talk Show. Um, said that Vrabel is. Uh, he talked to him on Saturday, and that apparently he is going to be around the Wisconsin program in some capacity in the spring. Okay, so not defensive coordinating. Going not back bad, to college up there. I mean, I do think if you're Vrabel, you at least. For leverage purposes, you, you keep your name in the mix in case Ryan Day gets fired, right? I wonder if Mike Vrabel is maybe just more successful in the college game. I cannot see Vrabel wanting to recruit, though. I think he could get enough people to maybe kind of recruit for him almost and him be that CEO and, like... And, and I get it, Ohio State, you can do that. is get, a little bit more conducive to, like, translating to college players than grown men. I don't know. The, the grown men and the Titans loved him for the most part, at least the team leaders. It was just maybe the... Maybe it's the not even the players relating to it, it's the power. Maybe yeah. Like if you're the head coach yeah. of your of your of a college football control. program, you are the GM as True. well. Whereas you know in the NFL, that was apparently his problem. There it was like he couldn't get along with the owner or the GM. So like a head coach at one of these big universities is usually the most powerful man in the entire state, typically, right? Like we made that joke all the time about Saban at Alabama. If he wanted to get something done, that was going to get done. He was more powerful than the governor. He could swing elections if he wanted to. So, like, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense from Vrabel in that standpoint. Bob, anything else we've missed that you want to talk about in the last couple minutes of the show? Uh, just very quickly, just back to we talked a lot about college basketball, but big loss last night. Wisconsin goes down at Michigan. That's two in a row for them. That's an uh, abysmal loss, too. Yeah. Bad loss. Um, they may be a little, uh, maybe a little broken. They get, they got to get back on track. And then, John, I know it was painful for you. I know you don't like Providence basketball, but they pulled off an upset last night in overtime against Creighton. Um, Whoopee! Yeah, just don't give up on the Friars, man. You, you actually looked for a minute. You had your hoodie on your head. You looked like the Friar. I looked basketball. like a Friar. Yeah. Okay. But uh, well, congrats to Kim English. I didn't watch a second of it, nor will I. <laughs> Yeah, but the Wisconsin loss is, again, significant. That's a team that's been hovering around, you know, sometimes got as high as conversation as a two seed, now down to a three seed, might be dropping even more. Drop down to number 13 in the net ranking, so still comfortably like going to be a quality win for Tennessee, of course. Still going to be a quad one win. They'd have to fall outside the top 
what, 75 for that not to be the case. So no no danger there. Right. Still a big-time resume win for Tennessee. If you're Tennessee basketball, you've still beaten the number, what, five team and the number 13 team. Kentucky slipped quite a bit down to number 23. you got to win against them as well on the road. And you're going to have opportunities against Auburn and Alabama moving forward. So the resume for Tennessee is still looking pretty solid despite Wisconsin's loss. But I think it's just kind of the Big Ten doing what the Big Ten does, which is fool people for a while and then get to the tournament and then lose a bunch of games. All right. Good show, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Super Bowl Friday, Dustin Colquitt, Eli Herskovich. We'll see if he can get us a winner. We'll see if we can preview the Super Bowl properly. Stay locked in on Fan Run Radio, the G.I. Jake Show, coming up next.